Hello everyone, it's Monday, actually it's Sunday at the moment, but it'll be Monday when you get this, so it's time for the Yoga Scoop with Evan. And Kelly. And Kelly. <laughs> so tonight we thought we would um, take a topic request from the mailbag. Uh, so we're going to do this in two parts, um, and I'll just read, this came in um, over email. So I'll read the first part, and then we'll discuss, and then we'll read the second part. And I think there are lots of lots of possibilities here, so we'll just see what ends up uh, what we end up talking about. Um, okay. So this person says, um, I think there is kind of an underlying assumption that if you are strong and healthy and fit, that you can do all the yoga poses eventually. I'm wondering how your basic build, bone structure, natural flexibility, proportions affect your progress, in quotes. This could be in terms of possible modifications, goals, mindset, etc. So my, my initial response was, um, I, I don't have that assumption <laughs> that everyone is, everyone who is healthy and fit is going to be able to do all of the poses. I certainly don't assume that about myself. Uh, you could also add to that list Endless time. Like oh, healthy, strong, fit, and... Had no other obligations during yeah. the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, so do you think that's... Well, to argue the other side of it, I, I think... Um, I... I think in... Well, what, what the second half of the question, the second paragraph... Um, says is it references, which we'll get to in a minute, is it references the Ashtanga system, which has like a big chart that kind of shows you all the poses in order and implies implicitly or explicitly that it um, is a curriculum that builds on itself. So that um, if you can do the one, then you would eventually do the next one, do the next one, do the next one. But, um, but I do think that that is, that is false for sure. Um, and also um, not very useful. So dispensing with that assumption is, is well, nice. Um, you know, as you were saying that, I also thought that there's something to be, um, in the same way that, like, you can assume that you're going to die and that you have to, like, at some point come to terms with that, um, you could also assume uh, that I'm supposed to do all these postures, but I'm not going to. And, yeah. And, like, have to come to terms with that, too. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to say, I certainly <laughs> have heard, there's, you know, like, the joke about, like, uh, oh, in my next life, I'll learn to do oh, um, no, third no. series or whatever. No. no, that's not what you're getting at. No, I'm getting, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm getting at the idea that uh, there, even if you, uh, even if it's assumed that... Um, sky's the limit that that's not reality and that mm -hmm. that's something yeah. so it's almost like if maybe the ashtanga system i'm just arguing another point here mm -hmm. is set up in such a way that it's an impossible yes right it's an impossible structure that you ultimately have to deal with you're not going to right be able right to do it right yes it's the um it's the rabbit. I guess on the, I just argued myself out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the rabbit on the dog track, and 
the idea is not to catch the rabbit. The idea is to chase the rabbit right. and have it be ins- inspiring or motivating to do so. Because certainly, even if you can do all, cast over, <laughs> if you can do if you can do all the postures. Let's say let's just say that argue that for a second. If you can do all the postures. Um, then that's not the end of it either because there is, in the Ashtanga system, there are the other elements of um, right. gazing point and entering and leaving the postures in a prescribed way and a, with a prescribed breath count, which is also extremely challenging. Right. So um, it's kind of like, and, and because those, uh, those dials are to some degree um, determined by you, like you would be the only one who really knows like how even the breath is, how long the breath is, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's kind of like if you have the tendencies to want to work as hard as possible, challenge yourself as much as possible, and also hold yourself to the standard of being able to meet um, what the system says, then it would be, like Richard Freeman says, um, the best self-torture device <laughs> ever. Uh, invented because you control all of those things and so you create the expectation then as well uh, and another metaphor that he uses that I like is um, in, in a positive sense to turn it around is that the yoga approach for the mind is that you create you create a box with the conditions and the mind ha- has to stay in the box um, meaning you're trying to, for 90 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever, rein it in from its tendencies to just sort of roam around and do whatever it likes. And Ashtanga happens to be a very small box because there are lots of parameters. And I think what the question is is also getting at is um, how small can you reasonably make the box? Yeah, without, um, without either diminishing returns or having the opposite effect of what you're going for in the first place. Right. Making yeah. you insane <laughs> and a right. jerk. Right, right. So, um, so what do you think about the the anatomical question of proportion, um, body type, etc.? How does that play into um, learning the posture? Is it um, you know limits, etc.? Well, I obviously I think there are limits. There are limitations. Um, I don't think that necessarily, I think there are end range of motions um, for all of us and that they, that yes, they are somewhat determined by um, body type and body, like the makeup, you know, mm-hmm. just and not even like um, adipose tissue or muscle or bone, just like the consistency mm-hmm. of the person, you know. Dense, uh, dense, yeah, floppy. Yeah feathery, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then there are the anatomical ones, there are the shin bones and the long spine and the natural backbenders. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's uh, a, a limit to which working, I don't know if I want to say with that or against that, is really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at some point, yeah, I think diminishing returns take over and you have to Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like two things happen in response to um, working on postures. Uh, one is that as you learn the postures, you also learn your limits in a good way. Um, and uh, 
And the other one is that you hopefully move from, um, from working on a, achievement, maybe achievement sort of, but working on process, being invested in the process, because that's the interesting part. Uh, when you really are paying close attention, then it's always a moving target, and that's the interesting thing. Right. And, and that, that is case, not mutually exclusive to the fun of learning to jump through or yeah. drop back or whatever. It doesn't mean you can't do that also. Um, I can't remember exactly what you just said, but it made me think that um, it's it's definitely more so about your approach, I think, than anything, because if you uh, endlessly enjoy working on something that's virtually impossible for you, then th and then I don't really see any harm in that, yeah, you know? Yeah, And as long as you're getting along fine and you're functional and you're not hurting yourself and you just really enjoy that, yeah. then I think, you know, go for it, great. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like there's somewhere there's this threshold where um, continuing to work on it in a certain way starts to make you feel miserable or... Um, injury happens or something and, mm -hmm. and it's having the ability to sense or recognize when you're on the threshold of that and then be able to change directions yeah. a little bit. And I think that, 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 uh, there, if you get, uh, or in early stages of that maybe, or I have known students, I've had students who kind of end up spending maybe months even at a time, um, basically practicing on the edge, on one side or the other of the edge of injury all the time because they're trying to learn to do something that's really, really on the outer limits. And so sometimes it's tweaked and it's just slightly injured and then other times it's not quite injured, but of course it's always sort of there. And I think some people can spend quite a lot of time uh, practicing that way without realizing that there is a whole other approach, potentially. You know, and a, uh, another thing I think that's um, interesting from the teaching perspective to think about, and I don't usually say this uh, so directly, and maybe I should, but um, like I'm thinking about Kapotasana, you know, mm -hmm. and people... I've and, heard of that. And you, got <laughs> and you have to catch your heels, right? Mm-hmm. But it's that's like one of the the things that I, personally as a teacher that I'm looking for. But there's also just a uh, a level of you know being comfortable with discomfort that I'm watching for, mm -hmm. or like a letting go of achievement that I'm watching for. Mm -hmm. And so it's not. I think people get the idea that you're only watching for this one set of criteria. Yeah. But if you're I think if you're um, doing a good job as your teach as a teacher, you're also watching for all those other elements. When is the breath steady? When is the gaze steady? When does somebody just seem happy about mm -hmm. about it? When do they you know? settle into the pose? Yeah, and kind of inhabit it in, a, in yeah. a particular way that doesn't I don't think really have um, a common name, but you know it when you see it because. If it can also turn into uh, once you do catch the heels, then then what? Then what? We got to go somewhere from here. So that that um, sort of chasing, um, uh, not 
really what it's about um, in the long run. So let's do the second half of this question. Okay. Second paragraph. Um, okay. If you are in a traditional practice where you are expected to quote unquote pass each posture, then at what point do you move forward? At what point do you just stay where you are? Um, some teachers say that the practice is set up so that you won't be able to do the more advanced postures if you can't do the earlier ones. Makes sense. But how do you draw the line between forcing and progressing between acceptance and injury? Inquiring minds want to know. You could think about that in two different ways. You could think of it as a student, like who is like us self-practicing more or less independently. And from a teaching perspective, I think. But we make a lot of decisions about, like, no, this person, we're going to make them pass mm -hmm. a pose. And this person, that we're not going to do it like mm -hmm. that. And probably all of those uh, elements of um, general vibe, proportion, um, I feel this is something that Matthew, I've seen Matthew do with students um, in a, um, in like a, a frank way uh, that, that at this point after teaching this much um, that I can appreciate now more and more, which is basically when you have watched thousands of people do yoga for thousands of hours pretty much as soon as somebody walks in the door, you can tell whether they're going to be able to do X, Y, Z or not, or at least how much effort and opening will be required to be able to do X, Y, Z. And that quickly in your mind can set up like, all right, what's the, what's the cost benefit ratio of how much energy it would take to do blah, 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 um, versus focusing on other elements potentially. And so, uh, um, We've been in retreats with Matthew, and he sort of goes around. Everybody sits in a circle, and he kind of says, "Well, what are your what are your goals?" And people will say, "Well, I want to learn second series or whatever." He says, "I don't really think you're going to be able to do that because of such and such, because you, you know, back bend is like this, or leg behind the head is going to be tough because of these proportions or whatever." And he's like totally willing to work on it, but also he's um, he's forewarning with his expertise rather than. Um, then staying silent about that. And I don't know what you would say. You could say either like letting the situation unfold to right. see what happens, or is that reinforcing the underlying assumption that if you just do them in the right order, it unlocks like a combination lock. Now, I will say as a caveat to that, he is wrong sometimes. <laughs> and one thing he was really wrong about was about Kelly. And I remember uh, we went to see him in 2009, and uh, in for a weekend, and we did like his his um, jumping and floating curriculum, and we went home and did that for a year, and then the next year we went to see him in Durham for a month, and um, and at some point early on he or actually maybe it was at the end at the at the potluck anyway was at the potluck. he said something to Kelly like. Um, he said, "Where did you learn to do good that?" Good on you or something. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He said, "Where did you learn to do that?" And I just looked at him like befuddled and said from you it's <laughs> <laughs> the most so, awkward conversation ever i thought from you so she had drilled all that stuff 
for a year and learned to do it very well. And he clearly, from seeing her practice initially and her body type and whatever, knew that it would that was an unlikely result. And so, um, so he thought it was interesting enough to ask yeah, him yeah. <laughs> what supplemental well, activities I had been doing. He wanted to know. So um, uh, that's sort of I think the two sides of the um, of the achievement approach. Now, as far as injury, um, that is mostly about the uh, the self awareness. I think certainly it, teachers can injure students uh, through adjustments, but I think most of the time injury comes from ambition and chasing and or just being kind of tuned out to what's right. going on, just going through the motions and your body's different on this particular day. That's what happened to me when I, when I um, uh, injured my knee is I was just doing the same poses I always did and my knee happened to be different that day, but I didn't pay attention and it went pop like a champagne cork. So anyway, let's get back to paragraph two. Okay. Here. Let's, let's revisit it. At what point do you just stay where you are? Well, you're always where you are, Aww. aren't you? Again, <laughs> podcast over. <laughs> and, well, what that it depends makes, on the person. Yeah, what that makes know? me think of, um, and I'd be interested... Uh, what Kelly thinks about this, but what that makes what that makes me think of initially is what is often invisible, which is sometimes practicing is about is not necessarily about gains, but about maintenance of what you already have, potentially that you might be would you would definitely be losing otherwise. So where you stay staying where you are might just be about um, maintaining the strength and mobility that you have to support you in whatever you're doing. And that um, in itself is that in progress. Of, right, right, you know, exactly. It's a special kind of progress. Exactly. Like um, having gone through cycles, maybe of pregnancy is an example of that, where I'm not like making gains. Ha <laughs> ha, except on the scale. And I have no comment. <laughs> um... But also just being um, disciplined in a way, in that kind of way, is a certain kind of progress. And being able to feed myself with something that I value mm -hmm. is, 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 was progress enough mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, the, uh, if, if you've had to practice with um, an injury or some sort of um, kind of unignorable uh, condition, situation, um, like pregnancy or something like that, uh, then it just casts, it throws everything into relief. So it, it seems like just such a different thing um, because you have to drop all of, basically all of the chasing. Right. Uh, it just gets completely turned around and inside out. And that usually has the effect of, um, it just scrambles everything around and makes it seem sort of new and fresh. And it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem enjoyable at the moment, but over the long term, it, it really develops the skills that you're looking for. And then when it does come back, you appreciate it in a whole new way. Like when you get, when you get over a cold, 
all of a sudden it feels great to not have a cold and that health is something that's usually invisible to us. Okay, uh, so I th uh, one more. I'll say one more thing about this. So um, uh, the progressions, the idea of a structured progression, I think, is very sound and solid. Um, but the idea of a universal progression is questionable. Yes. So most of what, in fact, most of what Anastanga teacher ends up doing or a sequence teacher ends up doing is adapting the progression to the student usually creating sub progressions for particular difficult postures or rearranging things or whatever usually choosing to uh, to deviate from the sequence as much as necessary but as little as possible or to set up a, a practice environment that supports other elements beyond just the physical asana. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, it is interesting um, just the things that come up, um, the challenges that come up and how your mind reacts and, um, and to do the thought experiment of what would this be like if I could do all the poses? Hmm, what would that be like? Uh, would that be more or less interesting, more or less beneficial, or the same? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Deep thoughts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I think that's a good enough treatment there. So if you have more um, uh, podcast ideas, you can send them to us. Uh, info at T-A-P-A-S-Y-O-G-A-S-H-A-L-A dot com. Uh, what do we have coming up? here the holidays the holidays after the holidays we're having a teacher's summit on um, Saturday the 6th of January that's always a good time we do some training accounts for continuing ed and it's just a great time to network Networking. recharge get some ideas have snacks etc uh, and our um, Carmen yes Aguilar. yes yes from at uh, the lab. lab. Yep, she'll be in town. Uh, 13, 14? 13, 14. Yeah. I wonder if she'd be on the podcast. <gasps> Dude. Oh, wow. Moises, probably. <laughs> might be, might be. We'll see what we can do about that. So, uh, in the meantime, come see us at the studio. Find us on social media. Oh, and um, if you want to support this podcast, share it around on social media. We really appreciate that. We've it's exciting to see this. Yeah, um, a lot of people have shared. Popping up in various locales, places we know people across the interwebs. Um, or you can support it directly. We have created a Patreon page, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash the yoga scoop, where you can pledge a um, dollar, a quarter, five dollars, whatever, per episode that comes out. Um... Or come see us at the studio. Yay. Thank you. See you on the scoop. See you next time.